welcome to Transition Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. Today's episode is going to be very different from the ones that we usually do because we have two special guests on the podcast. First of all, we have with us uh, Rishi Oberoi. He is the founder and CEO of Photon Tadpole Studios, which is working on some top secret games right now, which <laughs> they can't reveal. Uh, but yeah, he was with uh, India Games for uh, around 10 years and <laughs> Almost 14 years, I think. Almost 14 years overall, yeah. 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 Um, so I think I didn't count the time that it was with Walt Disney. With Disney, correct. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I mean, it was still like it was still indie games at that time. It was yeah. just like the company was owned by another company, but yeah. you know, we still get our paychecks from from India games. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, veteran of uh, the the Indian game dev scene, and we have another person who is also worked with India games for a very long time. Um, he's Srinivasan Viraghavan. Yes, yeah. that's a long name. Yeah, <laughs> we call him Shrini. Yes. Yeah. So he's now the co-founder of Rush Interactive, which has made games such as Sniper Deathmatch and some other games which he doesn't want us to name, uh, including a very popular one, which is Singam. <laughs> yeah, we are not investors, so we don't want to know about that game. <laughs> so yeah, um, he also worked with India Games for a long time and uh, worked on this Bioshock feature phone game along with uh, Rishi. Yeah. And as usual, we have our games editors, uh, Rishi Alwani. For this uh, episode, we are going to call him Ishmael uh, Alwani. Hate. <laughs> 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 right, and I'm your host, uh, Pranay Parab. So, uh, should we talk about uh, Bioshock first, the sure. feature phone game? So, yeah, what happened? How do you guys? Firstly, Bioshock is is for for our for our listeners. Bioshock is a game from 2K. Yeah. It's uh, basically Iron Rand meets uh, Little Mermaid because it happens under the under the sea. <laughs> and oh, wait. Sure, you can call it that. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, and it's well, it, it's a first person. It was a first person shooter with a lot of uh, philosophical under and undertones and overtones. How did you guys firstly manage to get access to the license? I mean, we were at a place. India Games were doing a lot of uh, uh, licensed mobile games at that point, and. Uh, Uh, we were at a stage where if you wanted to keep the uh, the international business and it had to grow exponentially then we had to create like a really big splash so one of the options that came about and we had a guy sitting in the US called Sean Malatesta he was a guy who was sitting in LA he used to go and do the liaisons with the the game studio the movie studios and stuff like that and get the licenses so he said okay if you want something big i have bioshock available he I guess he knew someone. Yeah. He knew a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, we weren't involved in that part, but it's like okay, let's. They said like, "What do you think about doing Bioshock?" I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So they cooked, they closed it. Interesting. So like, uh, the game itself was wasn't obviously 3D for the time. It was a a 2D side scroller. Uh, so how did you manage to bring the entire world of Rapture and condense it into that? form factor and genre and screen size um so <clears throat> i mean just to give you an idea um in the games we had two studios well we had three studios uh, and two of them ended up working on bioshock and the way we were structured was uh, shrini was heading the 3d studio yeah. so all the 3d games out of, so we had, we used to make a lot of 3d games for feature phones back in the day and mm-hmm. mostly brew games yeah. you know for, the, for yeah. verizon and for the us yeah. market and stuff like that and um uh, and we had another guy in fact shrini's co-founder prasad yeah. who was heading the the 2D. 2d game studio right and so we had with a license so big we had to create the 2d game as well as a 3d game uh, so you know we, we actually ended up creating both a 2d version for your regular java phones and a 3d version for the brew phones which is high end brew phones in the uh, us in the verizon market and stuff like that yeah and she it was a big team meaning we also had meaning apart from these teams the way bioshock was possible also on the 3d was because we had a specific engine team it was called ice ice 3d okay so uh, it was cool tech there were not many companies back then who created a lot of like software renderers as they were called right so a lot of graphic engines which could power the games and run it on really like 100 megahertz phones yeah <laughs> uh, stuff like that and it was really complicated tech right it should support like a lot of stuff so to make that possible there was a, a kind of like a f- 
almost a six member team at that point of time yeah i was working on ice and well, we were largest used to largest we had that team huh? yeah yeah and we they used to work on meaning uh, a lot of cool stuff so we used to work on a lot of qualcomm prototypes a lo- lo- lot of different device prototypes and stuff like that to make bioshock 3d possible i remember we wrote a lot of tech uh, we had to like support meaning kind of like vertex coloring and stuff like that all a lot of cool tech we had to support a lot of like uh, if you played bioshock the levels are massive it's huge and one of the first things which was told to us by the producers was you have to keep the exact levels there is no compromise on that if the if you start up you come out of the uh, underneath portion you come out you see the big uh room you are in you have to walk up you have to walk up the stair go to the first right you know things like that everything needs to be exact same because there's a lot of and oh. there's, a, there's a small story behind that also right so yeah. there was a i mean before when we got the license we were getting the license i had uh, uh, i hadn't played the game yet so i sat down one weekend and like you know went through the whole game and then and it just kind of blew me away right yeah. as it is story games are my up my shit yeah. and uh, i was like how the hell are we going to create a mobile version of this right what are we going to do right so we had to like with as with any license we had to set, submit a gdd of what we're going to do uh, Wait, we uh, GDD, gdd is a game design document, game design right? document right? right so we had to submit a game design document of what are we we what are we prepared to do in the game right we submitted it right and well they didn't say anything i don't know whether they said anything to anyone else the only thing they came up with is that okay forget this just do exactly the same thing that we we've, we've done figure out how to do it in the mobile phone and do do that and this was i think really after we acquired the license so we couldn't back out yeah it's meaning because one is bioshock was meaning very very big right very huge so to get the development team to work on it and to execute such a large product meaning we were talking about what 20 meg 40 meg uh file size oh yeah it was, it was a 40 large. meg file size remember really and we had to split it into parts two yeah. parts to tell the story of bioshock on feature phones yeah. during then and to fit in quite a lot of content meaning it had to add the uh, the logs yeah. the reading logs which are very critical to the story right. it had to add the levels it had to add everything right just, just to give you an idea it. this is 40 megs at the time when edge was yeah just about coming into the market yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and just primarily on verizon yeah. like that was where it was going to be hosted and it had a lot of other tech as well like it had downloadable content all the levels were downloaded off the server as you played the level yeah. so when you played you unlock the first level then you play the second level it is to download over the air and you had to do a lot of memory management and stuff they all of phones right feature phones yeah. so it was cool cool stuff during then to make that possible yeah. so what you're trying to say is that 40 uh, mb download was just the initial download no the, no no was the, the entire game no the initial download i think was about 4 meg yeah. or 4 uh-huh. or 5 and then it is to download every 5 meg after a period of time and yeah, the 5 yeah. meg used to take about Two and a half minutes then, yeah. mm-hmm. and which was like two and a half minutes. Five meg was like, and that was brand new technology yeah, at that time. Yeah. Like what we built. Yeah. This is way before, like you know, iOS and Android. Right now, I mean, before they existed, but also before, like now they do the asset bundle system, which you know, if it was two point five G network like, also. Today, so. But yeah. at that time, it was like revolutionary tech. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, it was a download as you play. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do you accommodate for those breaks in the levels? Yeah. Did you guys uh, end up having splash screens? Did you have I don't know logs playing while that was going on? How do you how do you uh, manage that? Uh, I mean, so the biggest design challenge was actually not the tech challenge of of like you know the the pacing issues, right? Which is like when you're going from one area to the other area, we're gonna we're gonna give a break, whereas the console game never had one right um the biggest design challenge is that what do we keep and what do we throw out so that we don't you know we we don't screw with the integrity of the game you know the bioshock see 2k wanted us to do the same exact game which means we had to tell the same exact story right now they've told the story over a freaking console game right and and the the length of that game was what some 8 hours odd i think yep um and we have to now tell it like do the same game in one in the 3d phones of the brew and the second is on java phones right so how do we tell the same story so we have to l- 
cut the length of the games down so we had to decide what to keep and what not to keep so it was very tricky to you know get the right pieces which are the right key points of the game and the story um and still manage to uh like get get it onto the phones you know interesting but uh, so now while while you do mention that there was a pro- while there were challenges in deciding what to keep and what and what not to keep mm. uh, the other part is and considering that 2k has said that hey man just make it like a console game yeah. the console game was uh, known for some really good sound design yeah. and obviously when you're working on devices where people might not even have the sound on eh. how do you accommodate for that this is all text it's all primarily yeah. all were text and even 3d we had to like we had to keep some of the cut scenes in the game so yeah. when you come out you enter the bridge you know uh, yeah. you have to show the first time you seeing the entire underworld you seeing the big daddy for the first time and that scene was epic and but everything had to be there those things had to be like we couldn't like cut those parts so those it was more visual i felt we yeah. had to retain a lot of that yeah. and the logs were obviously there yeah. uh, the good thing is like there, there's such a there, there's such a brilliant reference that you're using right you mm. know in in most games when you're taking when you're building a game there's like you know you come up in an idea but th- that idea is always de- derivative of like f- three four different things right i mean you're taking multiple different references art reference something else game design dif- reference something else you know game depth reference something else here you're there's one single reference which is a brilliant reference right all you need to do is take a look at it and it's really a question of power of observation how well can you observe how they've done it it was to us at least to me i know it was like we are paying a homage to 2k themselves right and recreating what they've done so it's like or try to observe what they've done how they've created it and see how much of that can we recreate right so as far as the sound is concerned we try to put in the the key sound bites exactly where it needed to be like you know for the first time uh you hear like th- th- i think there's a scene in which you hear big daddy in the background but you don't see him yet right the first time so we try to replicate that right so we had those sound effects coming in at that point right uh but a lot of it is direction you know so a lot of it is just playing it at the right time shaking the camera at the right time making sure that the camera is exactly at the same spot you know it's facing the right place the trickier thing was how do you do that in 2d right mm. in 3d so just think about it like isometric 2d you're like behind the back right you literally can see everything right but in 2d you can bioshock was also in essence like a horror game right so it's uh, the the camera in a 3d horror game is very important to the to the scariness of the game right how how do you tra- translate that into 2d right so we had to play around a lot with like you know blacking out the screen in 2d and only showing certain parts of it and you know we we were using this game engine which um, which we had to make considerable changes to to make sure that we kind of got the same feeling of uh, the 3d experience at least the storytelling and gameplay experience uh, in a 2d game yeah so tricky stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about the shooting mechanics because uh, while in 3d yes that's essentially you know use the use the keys yeah uh, but then how do you translate that into 2d for this uh, for a game like this <laughs> a lot of auto lock <laughs> a lot of makes uh, sense yeah yeah i mean you know sense, i was yeah. I, i was saying even in 3d right. i realized that what we did was and i don't know how much of this was even translated from the game itself from the original game but as soon as you saw big daddy yeah, the, the cursor used to lock yeah, on right? you had to do it you because you right? were running at low f- meaning about 15 20 fps yeah and like you struggled to maintain that as well so yeah. auto lock was very important you don't have a mouse so even if you could move you had those round buttons where you could just right. move across but let's imagine now uh, you're, yeah. you're doing this all with t- like buttons yeah. right and 2d we did a lot of there was a lot of uh, auto locking so the direction which you faced there was, there was like a cone hmm. um and if any enemy was within that cone it would auto auto lock yeah and there was a lot of strafing you had to you had to use the strafing a lot right otherwise like it wouldn't auto lock and then it wouldn't like you know shoot otherwise yeah, you can't play the game <laughs> Out of curiosity, what did the original game design document entail? Ah, <laughs> so this I think I don't know whether a lot of uh, gamers know this or not, but like you know, whenever 
you do a game a developer whenever a game developer does a game based on like a license right this is the first time you're doing it on a on a game license yes yeah 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 earlier it was just movies and movies and tv shows and stuff like that right like that, yeah. so the license holder then we've done we had done a ton like yeah. we had done like 20 30 different Predator. licenses on all international licenses yeah, right yeah. bruce lee and the garfield the office um the the thing is that game developers don't really get a lot from the license holders you get barely anything right and with Bi- bioshock it was exactly the same thing they didn't give us much at all so we never saw the gdd all we we got was we got okay uh, we got that's the game go play the game we got a couple of calls from like one of the producers right um and the other only snippets that we got was like oh if you want to get a better sense of what the game should be like play system shock 2 you know play some of ken levine's old games nothing more than that no oh uh, when i meant gdd i mean what did your original design document for the game entail oh ours yes yours <laughs> do you remember it not really but because the initial part was i remember when it submitted I mean, a lot of level cuts yeah which we had to get back everything in is like not acceptable at all yeah. you can't just cut uh, portions of the rooms yeah uh, i think it's more more towards the level design which was highly scrutinized meaning yeah. which we just couldn't get around and we had to figure out a way to like and the art oh the art was the art was very highly scrutinized the plasmids the huh? uh, to render them yeah. a lot of stuff even the art document what you had submitted yeah I mean, it had to look. It had to look right. Yeah. Uh, because Bioshock for the time, even on the yeah, consoles, was, was like was really lauded for its artwork. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the visual, you know, depth. I, I still had. remember the cutscene where, uh, after the tunnel, then the door closes and uh, immediately lights go off, and then yeah. you have the on the, exactly on the right side, the red light switches on. Yeah. Then there's water. There is yeah. there's electricity yeah. over there. You know all and then basically it's like a cutscene. So you like take the control from the user. You pan. You show that all of that was maintained in the game. Meaning yeah. we had to because that was really the essence of Bioshock. Yeah. Right. It's and stuff that we had never done before. Yeah. Like basically, you're essentially directing a movie within a game. Right. I mean that kind of stuff we had never done before. Right. And we had like done that over a hundred times. I mean, make sure like that that was so critical. Yeah. that moment in the game yeah. uh like we had to get it exactly right and so that's good yeah. uh no one is going to give a license like this without pre- protecting it you know so uh like ip holders and this is something that i learned at disney right when there's nothing quite as valuable as an ip right once you play uh something or you watch something and you know users viewers they get hooked to it they get they start loving it it's not the creators anymore it's it's the it's the communities right and the community now they are going to decide whether it's going to stay on or it's going to die right so ip holders to kind of do that they try to protect it as much as possible disney is now doing it like like mad right like what's going on with the mcu and what they're doing with star wars like they're protective as, like crazy so part of that protection means that they have to you know control everything that they give out so when they give out licenses so even when 2k when they gave out the license right they had to make sure that there's a approval process to make sure that you kind of uh, you know you don't you do justice to the ip right so we had what weekly calls yeah we had weekly, weekly calls. calls what are the guys name so we had a there was a producer in the uk in 2k the uk studio right who had yeah. worked on the original game yeah. but i think it was his responsibility to work with yeah. ip holders to yeah. make sure that uh and he used to go back and forth with the team yeah. with regards to the artwork with Correct. regards to the level meaning what's the footage we just keep yeah. sending and everything yeah. used to be like scrutinized meaning yeah. it's so what was the name steve or something i don't remember yeah even it's long time yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was i mean they were pretty hardcore right they they liked the stuff that we did but if things were out of place they would like make us go back and do it yeah. again and again and again i mean yeah. we our development time stretched a lot because we had to make sure we got things right yeah massive right two studios working on it yeah. on a really long time meaning yeah. it was the first time we had worked actually this long 
in such a huge team yeah. uh, meaning even the mentalness to preparedness like you know work consistently on the product and keep making it better it was tough it was first time i think in indian gaming industry that something like that happened yeah so uh, you were talking about uh, how you guys had to split the game in a several parts yeah yeah so we had uh, uh, let me let me try to get this right now two parts of the 3d game and three parts of the 2d game so i mean we had to do that to fit the one of the things to fit the full console game onto the mobile platforms was that that was one of the only ways to do it it, it also gave us so it was ep- episodic and it also gave us an opportunity for us to then end up selling more skews yeah. right and with a game like this like like I, i can't even tell you i don't know whether you remember some of the other old uh, java games and all the size of those the games that used to come out was very very small so what we were actually giving the consumer even with just the first part was a huge game yeah you know so it's still pretty epic <laughs> and like luckily enough and this is this we actually came to a conclusion after talking with the um, with the design team in uk the game if you take a look at the the you know the bioshock game it's actually very cleanly split into three part uh, three parts like it's cleanly split into three uh, split into three acts mm-hmm. right so there were very natural progression where you can say okay this is where the first act ends yeah. this is where the second act ends and this is where the third act ends mm-hmm. you know so we split it exactly like that that way and then they're like yeah it makes perfect sense but then uh, so you guys mentioned that the duration of dev was really long uh, yeah what's the what, what do you to put it in a context how long were games usually made on java back in the day and how long did this take and we used to make games for like 3 months 3 yeah. months 3 to 6 yeah. 3d yeah 3 to 6 months mm-hmm. this one went into oh this was long i think couple more years. than yeah easily couple of years minimum at least I th- I mean, at least at least 18 to 20 months will be yeah. a wow. fair uh, yeah although yeah. what we ended up doing was we ended up uh, doing the first part in little less yeah and this is for both the parts for 3d mm-hmm. right yeah for so for the first part was a little less so we could actually launch it and then the second part w- took yeah then the, the second time. part still yeah but the first part was like 18 first, 20 months and in first that part was what 12 months or le- first part itself was like 12 first part itself was almost is i think it's just anywhere between 12 to 14 months 12 I to 14 months when yeah, it went because we started the second part in somewhere in parallel almost correct, maybe correct. when we hit beta or something yeah uh but yeah that was that was long very long as <laughs> long there's something known as developer fatigue which yeah. we didn't mm-hmm. know existed till we ended up building yeah. that game mm. Mm. You know? i mean actually today you go and talk to any large to play game developers who have been working on the same franchise for a long time they're going to tell you about the same thing <laughs> interesting because at different levels so what do you do take a sabbatical or something after that game you, you don't have th- that kind of choice man <laughs> 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 luckily we got bought by disney a few few a couple of years after that so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay so the other thing I was interested in uh, knowing was like back then how did uh, like game sales work for mobile uh, okay. now we have these very well defined app stores and mm. like payment methods and everything was very clear mm. but back then how did that work uh i mean one major difference was that it was all through the operator hmm. you know or like carrier billing 90% through not just carrier billing but also distribution right so essentially for java games uh java games i mean and the market for the java games essentially was worldwide but uh, when i say worldwide i mean mostly like europe and uh, you know asia asia pacific and things like that a few american carriers uh, you had to go and give it to the carriers the carrier would put, the carrier had their own world garden internet which they would put there and within that they had their stores so the thing is it was very controlled compared to the app stores of today So you know, app stores of today have like hundreds of thousands of apps and games. The those carriers, each carrier had only like a few hundred games at a time, which means they could be very picky about the games that they had. Which means it had to be really high quality, right? Um, now the option for the users was only that carrier because they they didn't have any other stores that they could download from. So they had to go to those stores, download the game, and then automatic car- carrier billing on that. But the good thing out there, at least at least from the developer's perspective, is that there's no such thing as a free game. So every time a user downloaded it, we got paid. Yeah. And it'll be pretty much similar to well, to use a magic word, Geo. It will be similar to what meaning Geo intends to do, right, with their phones. 
and then you lock on the entire such a huge community first time purchase first time interaction at any any store will be through that one single store which yeah. is which gives a lot of power to the person who is distributing it yeah the distributors mm-hmm. get a lot yeah. of power yeah in that that case and you know it used to screw the developers or the publishers over in in that case yeah. because you know they could dictate terms of revenue share and things like that which ended up getting us less money in the end you know yeah. but uh, you know but it's a good thing because then you can then they can also control uh, that they actually do make money yeah, yeah. You know? so how much is the game sell for uh so different i mean uh, and i mean maybe you guys find find this a little funny games back then used to actually be like mobile phone games back then used to be more expensive yeah. than what is on the app stores of today so Whoa. first of all like today in the app stores right you get a whole bunch of free games mm. you never had any concept of free games back then mm. right everything had to pay, be paid right mm. java games on an average like in, and it depend from region to region on an average like our biggest java market was europe mm. and europe on an average i think was what like 6 7 euros or something like that 5 6 euros per mm. game i think 5 euros per game or something like that right um in the us in the the java games especially the the brew games especially on verizon and all the 3d games uh, that was there 3d was sold on premium mm. so the premium games you speed charge anywhere between 10 to 12 dollars whoa so we made 10 like we well we made what like 50% of share or something like that mm-hmm. of that of each game sold which was like a lot of money man for us yeah that's quite a bit actually so how did bioshock do i think they did really well <laughs> I mean okay so revenues wise they did probably one of the best that we had done till then mm-hmm. right um unfortunately we had also spent a lot of money because of the amount of time that we actually ended up <laughs> spending on the game so overall i think it probably broke even mm-hmm. right uh so you know the profitability wise it, it didn't do much mm-hmm. uh compared to some of our earlier games where you know games are entertainment right yeah. in the end you can do a small game and if it becomes a hit then your profit margin is huge and that's actually what happened with some of our earlier games right we expected the same with bioshock but bioshock we ended up spending a lot more time so we it cost a lot but the revenues also we made was quite a bit i mean i think i want to say half a million dollars half a million to a million but i don't even know yeah. right mm-hmm. i don't even remember right now <laughs> <laughs> so uh what did, did you guys finally did you guys even manage to release the second installments for for the 3D no. version or the no it's like we gave we left the we we left the user hanging <laughs> it's like spoilers so <laughs> yeah. so basically you guys valve ripped you off not well 2k uh no valve because half life episode 2 uh, is it ah sure right yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh i mean we finished up to i think both the 2d and 3d version it's up to um which part is it now i can't even remember hmm. you know he goes uh spoilers yeah he goes underground somewhere uh, right yeah. he, he yeah. Uh, like he's reached an area jack he's reached an area where uh he has to go underground somewhere he, so he learns about half of what is going on yeah. i can't even recall what yeah. part exactly <laughs> but it was fontaine <laughs> it could man be, chooses slave obeys no it could be atlas of fontaine no yeah. unless that's because then this, that's because that's the second part where <laughs> yeah the second part is no so yeah. Like, yeah, there were, if it's it's probably in the, the middle then when he clubs andrew ryan to death no no that's the that's, that's the end of the second yeah. part so oh, okay. so atlas of fontaine is before that right uh no much after much after yeah uh, no because it wasn't up to when he clubs andrew ryan right oh, yeah. but it was yeah. a it was like a substantial yeah. amount hmm. but it was a cliffhanger okay right and we ended on a cliffhanger and uh we never launched the second <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately for whoever wanted to play it on mobile yeah and secondly i wanted to know that at that time were there any concerns around battery life like we have today no 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 yeah. actually no surprisingly no yeah. uh because we used to like you know it no phone heating or you know all of those issues weren't there like maybe they were not like brought up and we were just happy like we could play something on the phone mm. and we were okay with charging them as well and yeah. then playing yeah uh but yeah there's no nothing on the battery or yeah not the heating side do you also attribute that to qa because i mean considering you had a larger number of devices to cater to 
would you think fragmentation ensured that you guys were on the ball on QA so there was so on the fragmentation there was fragmentation even back then mm-hmm. i mean uh, it was i think 10 uh, times worse back then yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and there used to like like every single uh many there were pockets of devices right and they were very different they were very 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 different even the controls were different i remember we yeah. had to like to port to one i remember the 3d on one handset which was like those communicator series you know yeah. which you open up and <laughs> and they had a very large rectangular screen yeah, yeah. we got screwed meaning doing that porting i remember the back and then you had to like was it the lg one is was the lg one yeah, it was yeah. the best looking one it was the best looking yeah <laughs> we used to show demos on that yeah. and uh, uh so you have to like do multiple control schemes mm-hmm. to support the lg mm-hmm. so we should do even the there was a circular control key over here and yeah. we had wsd as well uh, so you have to support kind of like both mm-hmm. it was kind of like one of the prerequisites of uh, you know one verizon, of those guys yeah it must yeah. be verizon so so they had such things like mm-hmm. you know you had to like operate like for this handset you have to support this particular feature of the handset yeah and that's something so which is crazy yeah, but Yeah, we had to support all of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right then. So moving on to the second part. So yeah, uh, aside from BioShock, uh you guys have pioneered most if not uh and yeah, most of the bigger or better cricket games available on iOS and Android and even pre-iOS Android days. Uh can you tell us about that? <laughs> we made a lot of cricket games. <laughs> uh actually cricket was interesting because uh especially from the 3D front i can remember i still have memories on when the first uh, iphone was launched hmm. we we quickly did a super uh, sixers yeah we did a super sixers game which was like just simple one right you just hit sixes what are the most fun part of the game hmm. hit sixes so we had a super sixes kind of a game full which, in 3D game in what 10 days yeah it was really <laughs> short and uh, only worked only we put it up only on iOS yeah. uh, that point of time it was the first time it was the first thing which we were trying like iOS had just like iPhone had just come out we figuring out what to do with it uh, stuff like that and we put it so since then we have been making a we rather the team was getting used to a lot of making cricket games yeah. understanding the sport understanding what the audience wants uh it's just not about uh, uh every single just hitting sixes right there are a lot of yeah. nuances in making a cricket game yeah. after making it for so many years what last yeah. 15 years i guess yeah. uh it's is a lot of lot of good stuff a lot of good games out there on the stores i think yeah. couple of them crossed i think Now? 10 million oh, 15 million ours. yeah ours, right. back then yeah as i so now you know the, the more i think about it and this like i i've started to talk about this a little bit I think I was the first person to make a mobile cricket game in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. Right. Because uh, back in 2002 or 2000 2002, hmm. right? Uh in the Java like India Games was one of the first mobile game companies in the world and the only Indian mobile game company back then and 2002 we decided to do a cricket game right on the Nokia devices the 7650 the 70 what do you call series 60 60 series 40 and series 30 right devices. uh and india games had that legacy of doing cricket games right from then yeah. you know even before the ios came out yeah. like our team the 3d yeah. team we had a pc cricket game yeah, right? yeah, yeah that was actually the basis of a lot of the ios games that we had that's true right? and we had the pc cricket game also because of the games on demand platform right yeah. Oh, what, yeah, yeah, because yeah, of god because right? of god yeah. yeah. because of god which yeah for so many knows a lot about <laughs> so, so for, for our listeners who probably lost right now uh games on demand was india games's pc digital distribution platform where uh, you could where basically if your isp was a part of the program you could download a boatload of games for free during that month it wouldn't count towards your fup either yeah there's probably some net neutrality violations <laughs> in today's day but at the time it was all fair and dandy and yeah one of the games available was from india games and what was yeah. it called exactly what is it called cricket fuck there's so many cricket games we have made I've we just learned no idea on the yeah, name we just made so much there were so many generic <laughs> names I think it, it was Cup. it was a, it was a top playing game on the platform. Yeah. I think it was Cricket After Fever. Zuma. No, no. So Cricket Fever, the name, the term yeah. Cricket Fever was something that you know, uh, esteemed boss Vishal Gondal came up with, and he wanted to copyright 
that term cricket yeah. fever right yeah. and that came up only after the iOS games but the PC one was called something the yeah, something world cup like cricket champion yeah, something like that so yes some all right very generic random and the first mobile game which you guys made on java which was cricket the first cricket java game what Again, was that called like something very generic i don't even remember <laughs> wow. i can i can try to fish up some uh, uh like i don't know whether i have some like backups of those that, that data but i can try to fish it up but i don't remember it off the top of my head wow um but yeah because of that legacy right mm-hmm. so ios came out when when was the first uh, iphone 2008 2009 yeah, yeah. Uh, and forget the first iphone the uh the app store because without the app store we wouldn't have started it right yeah. so app store was what 2009 2008 2009 yeah 8 9 yeah 8 9 right so we already had a whole bunch of content available and the and we had the i3d engine yeah. which was open gl es based yeah. and uh, you know uh, iphone the iphone was supporting open gl es yeah. so it was just a question of porting yeah. i3d onto uh, ios and then seeing can we get our assets onto this game right right so at that time this is way before unity right i mean when shrini talks about i3d i don't think he's given it enough justice right. just to give you an idea it was basically unity way before unity existed yeah you know? <laughs> uh i don't know like just mm. to clarify unity is one of the bigger game engines in uh, yeah. yeah um so uh so it, so we essentially ported like the pc game or at least like a small part of the pc game or we just used the assets of the pc right. game and put it onto uh uh the phone that was just the six super sixers game which he needed and that itself did really well and vishal yeah. got really excited about it we all got excited about it then yeah. we were like okay let's do a full fledged game and as part of the full fledged game we did cricket t20 fever right, right? Mm-hmm. which was essentially india games first full cricket game mm-hmm. on uh the smartphone platform at that time android was also becoming a force to reckon with till then the android handsets in the store was complete crap mm. right and at that time is when we ported i3d to yeah uh, android this uh, i think pradeep had done that yeah, yeah, of yeah, i3d yeah, and yeah. android and the cricket d20 fever game then on android became a sensation yeah mm-hmm. because india essentially became an android nation and uh, this was the only cricket game out there so back in when 2010 easily no, back to 2010 yeah yeah, yeah. and since then like it was consistently in the top 10 for at least the next few years yeah mm-hmm. uh, downloaded games which didn't mean that much back then uh today of course if you're in the top 10 you're doing like also also the game was good because yeah. one it, it had multiple modes yeah it had a quick match it had a tournament mode yeah uh tournament was really popular mm-hmm. and uh, it and was based on was it based on the it was based on the um world cup Yeah, I think it was based on the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, and and it had meaning. I did consider the AI to be pretty decent. Meaning, uh, yeah, it, it, it because that's all. It was all about that, right? Yeah. Like when do you lose? When do you win? Meaning, yeah. the bots are acting super smart, and right. and gave a, it gave a good complete package. Yeah, I feel that's why it still still clicks with the audience. It's still yeah. in the top hundred. I'm assuming it's even uh, after. So I keep a track of it. It's just yeah. like, you know old favorite of mine. So I I keep a track of it. So I think it's. it hovers in the top 150 i don't think it's so in the top so simplistic controls meaning a tournament mode meaning that's pretty much uh, meaning yeah. you would love to like play the long rather yeah. like you used to like have long session times on those games yeah like no match used to like last it was a i remember it was 3 over or a 5 over match on the tournament and you could mm-hmm. configure it to a 10 and a 20 over match yeah. nice and people wanted so, that so and ai i remember even then was like adapted it is to adapt to like you know okay yeah. how you have supposed to like same like how power play mode so get the fielders in field player go out you know so it is like kind of yeah. adapt to the overs as well yeah. uh, i guess that's what kept it going yeah. uh, no the the ai spent a lot I mean, remember a lot of time. I remember we used to sit in this meeting room with, for the when the play testing used to happen, mm. and uh, my only mandate to them was we should try to record uh, the heroic moments of the game. Yeah. You know, when not when will be the moments of the game? And they used to like write down, okay, first over this thing happened, yeah. second over I meaning the AI got run out, third. So we used to make sure we used to put it inside to make sure like. If it's like needs ten balls, you need like eight runs. The AI will get a run out. Yeah. It will make you feel happy and yeah. it will make you feel as a challenge. It will not just like drive you, yeah. drive you through it. So uh, I guess like that something which we built in, like yeah. all the heroic moments were built in. Uh, it was interesting. 
back then we put a lot of heart and soul we all love cricket right yeah. we all love cricket in the dev team everyone we used to love cricket i mean so, these guys who so the the original team who built it right um, yeah. uh, shrini uh, patel uh, who else was there uh, two three people they they used to sit they've known each other since before since college and also yeah. they used to sit and play like what brian lara yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> play a lot Ricky of ponting and uh, yeah, brian was amazing like at shrini's house they used to sit and play yeah. those games for like hours on end yeah. <laughs> and they didn't realize that they one day they'll be making those games <laughs> and people will be playing still making still making correct <laughs> 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 nice. so aren't you like tired of making cricket games by now that's, now, that's something that's, of Uh, developer fatigue that you can talk about right <laughs> yeah that's see that's the best part about sports right meaning if you look at every iteration of sport like you look at the fifa series look yeah. at any other series right fifa 08 is still one of the best i feel uh at that point of time uh, it was really good but if you look at every year adding something brilliant to the sports uh, genre is really tough, it's tough uh, yeah. and it's usually gets meaning you can water it down like fifa also has done with the 9 and 10 they screwed it up with 11 again it was good uh, so they it took maybe every 2 years or 3 years to get an incremental really big jump yeah uh, in terms of just the experience yeah i uh, like i think the same thing happened with cricket as well yeah. uh, we were lucky we had a good base with the pc cricket yeah. game we learned a lot yeah. the team need to handle and it was the same team yeah. right it was a similar team which was continuing to work Correct. that is a good fortune of a studio to have the same team if you look at most good studios worldwide right. they always blessed with the same uh, team members continuing to work the same culture the same everything and we had a, we had a pretty good run yeah. with you know our teams having the same uh, people leading mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. continuing them so so from the first cricket game to the second cricket game uh, to the third cricket game we always like made sure like there was something really good in it we did a yeah. test we did only a test version of the uh, cricket game back, back then which, yeah, was, which was amazing England, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah it was amazing yeah. we did only an australia england series yeah. like to support like the ashes we couldn't ashes, call it ashes yeah. 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 Uh, uh, <laughs> but but the entire format was there uh like no so everything was there which was true to the ashes series you know we had a, like a nice proper test mode it was long format so you could play like 10 20 you could like play till you get out <laughs> it was amazing back then people would want to play a game uh at least have a choice of wanting to play a test cricket back then so in fact uh today i mean I'm, we are talking about t20 fever and like like i said vishal really loved the term t- like cricket fever t20 fever right and we we kind of tried to make sure that we built a brand around that you know so there was t20 fever and there was world cup fever or something like that those two are the ones which are still there on the store right t20 fever has done like over i think i think it's done over 15 million downloads even world cup fever has done done over 10 million downloads or whatever right and still there those are the first two games right after that we had the ipl license and we every year we did the ipl game for like three or four years yeah. but those as soon as the ipl license expires you pull them down right, right. but one of the most interesting things um you know uh design wise was what we did with one of the ipl licenses which was and and one of the precursors to that game so we created a game called uh, cricket fever challenge which was a challenge based game so at that point there was an idea that okay song pop song pop was very popular yeah, on mobile yeah. phones and uh, pick uh, what was that pick pick drawing game draw something draw, draw something, draw something yes, right the yeah. challenge based yeah, thing yeah right so so we were like okay let's do a cricket version of that right yeah. so you you play one over two overs yeah it's something like, like, or you can yeah. challenge a number over Quite and then you challenge the other person okay this is my score now play against this so Correct. we based on that we did the ipl version of that as well those mm. are like really interesting and it had a browser version too oh really yeah 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 we did we did browser version we did, version. We did a facebook version we had a facebook <laughs> yeah. we did a facebook version of those yeah i'd forgotten that facebook games were a thing yeah though <laughs> yeah. yeah. so, so then which then brings me to a very uh, possibly prickly question uh Do you guys feel that a license in a sports game is a deterrent or a blessing? If done right, that is. Uh, I feel, meaning, a, a definitely an ICC license helps. Let's put it like let's break it down, right? If you look at an ICC license, meaning, if you have an ICC license, original names and all of that stuff really helps it. Yeah. And today, to get even featured on the store, it really helps right. uh, as well. Right. Uh, if you have a player. 
uh that helps you again from a distribution wise it yeah. really helps yeah. because again it's store based and stuff like that from a yeah. gameplay perspective unless you do something with that with that particular ip yeah uh, that would be something yeah. i've got bad. a slightly different take on it my, my uh, not different take but i've got a different viewpoint it depends on the what the game is right um in my opinion if it's a non simulation game which means it's a casual game or it's a you know it's more of a um like a extreme sports version of the game like you know nba jam to nba 2000 whatever uh then the license is okay if it, if you don't have it right then you can do a lot of random stuff with it right but if it's a simulation game then it's a question of what to what to the maximum number of players actually want do they want to play as the stars or do they don't care about that right and from my experience and my what i've seen like you know talking to a lot of players and take, getting feedback majority of players want to play as the stars right that's why even when you take a look at don bradman right the option to edit the names is especially there yeah, yeah. so yeah, that true. people can then like edit it and actually <laughs> play with an indian team or an australia team right, right? And, right. and that's a way of getting around it my point is that if users want it right then that is something that you know it, it's it'll going to be better for the game right yeah. and for a sports game i think like overall i don't think ip you know we've done a whole bunch of ip games it's not yeah. easy to do ip games yeah. right like and it's not a we've done i think 40 plus ip games right Absolutely. across all genres yeah, yeah. right uh but i think sports is probably one where ip games uh, like the the ip helps it definitely helps yeah right and in all honesty it shouldn't uh, like that it, to me that's part of content right that should not affect gameplay yeah gameplay is created that's separately true. in any case as that's a game true. designer as a game developer you need to create an awesome game experience yeah right then if you get an ip you just slap slap the content on top of it <laughs> So what are the challenges you guys faced while making the 40 plus cricket games you've made No no not 40 plus cricket 40 plus IP yeah, 40 IPs I was talking about like everything from all the way starting from Spider-Man to like you know Rush Hour and okay. like Predator and No then correct my question uh what are the challenges you guys faced making cricket games I mean sure you already had a yeah. base with the PC game to use to build yeah. on yeah. but then uh, was there ever a thought that okay should we when do you decide to innovate what yeah. what was the user feedback like yeah. uh, what are the challenges you faced on innovating yeah. from that base because i'm sure you probably i'm, I'm sure that that build was probably good for what, one or two titles maybe maybe what? i'm sure looking at the pc version as yeah. an inspiration yeah. was probably good for a couple of titles yeah. maybe yeah. so how how do you go from, where do you go from there so i mean first is the animation right meaning yeah. getting the first couple of titles were all handmade rotoscopy uh yeah. animations and we had a particular limit also back then like you could only push in only so much stuff uh, uh inside but every sport right you have to get the animations right we didn't we didn't we couldn't afford mocap back then uh, we didn't we, even think about mocap back yeah, then yeah we couldn't even think it was all rotoscopy yeah. but uh, you have to decide what animations to take yeah. fielding system is the most complex meaning yeah. uh, that's if i don't know most people don't realize it when you watch cricket you spend more, maybe 70 80% of time watching fielding uh, and to get and you and you cannot like act dumb on it yeah. like the guy is just standing frozen with his hands down and you're not even changing his head and the ball just passes by you that's technically not acceptable in <laughs> we did that though. but we did that then <laughs> some of our right? users had that also and uh, so weird to look at so but but that's that's the thing like with whatever time you had to push in that experience bar higher i think uh, that was one of the more key key mechanics yeah. rather so as, right. you know the thing is you know talking a little bit of, more about uh, game uh, developer fatigue uh, there are the types of people who developers who when you're creating you're like if you're doing the same thing for a long time it like weighs weighs you down right but there are also the the types who never achieve perfection and they're always like striving for it right and the reason is because perfection does not exist there's no such thing as perfection right all you can do is make things better and better and better and better and better and for any game as a creator for any game as a developer for any game right you always have a hundred ideas which will never go into the game right and that's the bank 
Yeah. That's the in development terms, that's the backlog. That's the product backlog, right? That's the the ideas of what you want to do next. You say, oh, the thing with doing games continuously, you always op- have the option of saying, I can't get this feature into the game right now, right? I'll do it in the next time, yeah. right? And we had the possibility to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, and incrementally, we started getting a few things in, like we started getting those things in. So that's why the latest games are actually much better than the previous games, right? Right, right. Having said that, the latest games, because the IP licenses, they have to be taken down. So you don't get to play them anymore, right? But uh, uh, but you always you always improve, right? It allows you to do the iteration, which... Uh, if you're creating a single game, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you see uh, the current monetization trends in terms of free-to-play being in the ascendance? Do you see that being a deterrent to good game design? <laughs> <laughs> this is like prickly subject, man. It definitely influ- meaning it definitely influences design. Meaning you yeah. have to meaning running a studio, you need to make games for the market, right? Uh, and if the market wants it then there are these preset of rules which you need to do, meaning even a freemium game. Uh, but I but I keep coming back, like some of the games which you're working on right now, right? It's you're creating something which is a lot fun to play with mm-hmm. and somehow it fits into the freemium genre as well, right? Mm-hmm. In the model rather, what we call it. So like that, a developer can get lucky, like if it's fun as well as it could support yeah. uh, free to play. That'll be awesome for a for a studio. Yeah, I've got a, a whole another podcast and then some <laughs> talking about freemium versus premium and like whether it's good or bad, right? But I'll tell you the way I look at it, right? Uh, so every person is multiple things, right? I am a gamer and I am a developer and I am a you know a, a, a techie uh, by heart, right? So. Um, as a problem solver, you know, the way I look at it is that to me right now, uh, getting a well monetized freemium game designed well, it's a problem to solve right now. So if, if I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about whether this is good game design or not. I'm saying, okay, how do you actually at, at yeah. least do it in a way which a, it still, it still makes sure for any game, not just a cricket game, but for any game, uh, you still make sure that, um, you know, the users, more number of users still want to continue playing that game, even though you have all these freemium elements in it, right? And B, you still manage to make money out of that, right? That's a problem to solve for me, right? Right now, I still have to figure out, I don't know what the solution is, right? So so many developers all over the world have figured figured it out. And to me, I feel that, oh, they're much smarter than me right now, because I don't know the solution and they do, right? Right. Uh, So for me, that's problem number one to solve, right? Whether that's good for the game or not, that's a completely different discussion. And that is, uh, you know, this is part of a discussion I was having yesterday with one of my colleagues as well, that uh, it depends on the type of game, right? Do not slap freemium elements on a game that's expected to be like a premium game, right? You cannot, like, and today, games, games are evolving, right? You know, we are, we've grown up playing like full closed games that have a start and have an end, right? It's an experience enclosed amongst itself, right? Today, a lot of games, including console games, because of the online ability, uh, there's no end to it, right? Today, a game like Overwatch and Dota 2 and all will be more popular than like, you know, games that are coming out on consoles, which are end-to-end experiences, right? I mean, even Nintendo is kind of, you know, (laughs) waking up to that. What they're doing with re- releasing Splatoon and what they're doing with DLC with Zelda and things like that, right? I'm sure uh, I'm surprised that there's no like multiplayer in Zelda, right? They're, to make make sure that it's an everlasting game that like you know people play it long after the single player experience is complete, right? So the question is, as a developer, if you're creating an enclosed game, a single player experience, you cannot slap a premium element to it. But if it is a sort of open-ended like you know keep playing experience, there freemium elements or at least you know elements like that can be des- can be done as part of the design right so there are two different things all together so you want uh, you want to move on to current stuff yeah why not i mean so uh, one thing Srini did mention was uh, that yeah getting featured on app store is still a big deal in this day and age yeah 
and uh, well i mean while that's one that that's one facet of the business right now uh the other part of it is uh all said and done uh the telcos are, are telcos still relevant in the age of the app store eh. uh what do you feel <laughs> you think so <laughs> meaning for me meaning not in terms of say making a title today like as a yeah. studio if i'm making a game Uh, in back then meaning 10 years back or whatever yeah. five years back if you had to make a game the telco had to approve it yeah. else he'll not even take it yeah. meaning uh, so but in today's age you don't have to do it you yeah. because of stores telcos are kind of irrelevant right now yeah. uh but you never know you never know someone might just wake up see they have the keys to the store and yeah. i've always felt this if if the telcos could put in place a great store Uh, yeah. there are a lot of there a lot of other stores meaning apart from android mm. uh, there are a lot of other good stores which have a pretty decent uh, uh, formatting and all of that stuff right and which gets embedded into phones so if like even samsung has one uh, but uh, if if the telcos could pay a little more attention over there i think that could be a boon for developers as well because people will start paying directly <laughs> on carrier billing uh, yeah. it's just one pop up and that's it is just get paid and plus they can control uh, the quality as well uh, yeah. but yeah currently it's irrelevant right yeah. now no yeah today i agree today for uh, games telcos are more or less irrelevant especially more in uh, the western countries right in india in china in uh, asia specific uh some asian pacific uh, regions telcos are still a little bit relevant uh in india especially the vast market still exist you know as much which is you know for anyone of your users the, the vast is what like what we used to do our business with in in the java days right value uh, added services the mobile value added services right that's where we used to sell sell the games on the telco stores uh the telco stores per se does not exist but stores like that which are uh, run by other people and has telco billing still exists in india and it's still a relevant part of the business i there is a huge shift happening that shift is continuously happening where you know the app stores and the google plays are taking over uh, but you know there is still but on the whole like as a market for mobile games and especially for the smartphone market telcos are more or less irrelevant so but uh, do you i mean so yeah while while i do understand that from your perspectives telcos aren't a big part of the picture yeah. but then i mean there's a contrasting viewpoint to that right yeah. uh every developer i've spoken to at least personally which i've spoken to last year yeah. opined that uh, the moment jio uh, showed up things would be very different And oh yeah that's a different thing so sorry go yeah. on I'll, i'll i'll tell you the point on that go on so i mean they they're going to be launching feature phones yeah. and uh, i mean at least from according to the rumors we've heard uh it it's going to be an entire ecosystem based on kios which will have monetization via geo money yeah so um do you see that being something that could actually be a boost to developers here so geo has already made an impact right now so this is where it, this is basically looking at okay now this is going to become a very industry speak right uh, but this is where like there are forces in the industry when you look at macroeconomics right like a butterfly that like flaps his wings in one area creates a hurricane in another area that's exactly what's happening so this is indirect uh, this thing it's not that indirect that it's a butterfly in a hurricane but it's like kind of indirect in the sense that it's geo is not creating the store at the moment they're not creating a song but they still had an impact and almost a hurricane like impact and the reason is because geo is giving away so much free data and other telcos are now saying okay now we have to make our data cheaper and therefore the number of users who are using data has increased and that is absolutely a fact over the last 8 months right in doing that in the last 8 months overall the number of people who are playing games has almost doubled has it yes it has interesting this is out of data from people who actually have games on the store if mm-hmm. your game was number 10 on the store in december 2016 and if your game is number 10 on the store today you will be doing double the number of downloads interesting and trust me <laughs> i'm being conservative <laughs> listen you can only get this data and i've said this in multiple interviews in the past you can only get this data if you actually speak to someone who has a game on the store Yeah. Okay. On the number 10 position and who has a game on the store on number 10 position like 6 months later, right? Mm-hmm. And I have spoken to them and I can right. like we obviously know a lot of them personally, yeah. right? So yeah. 
And the same was true for the monetization as well. The mm. monetization is also doubled, if not tripled, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. It's an indirect relation. It's not because Geo has created a store. That's why these guys have down, doubled on it. It's just because Geo has made data usage so ubiquitous in the last six to eight months that everyone has started using data and people have started thinking of data in a much cheaper way that people are downloading like people earlier like you know when i started my company our idea when we're doing games for india we are thinking that we have to keep our games under 10 mb mm-hmm. right whereas and that was true you know a year and a half ago right today uh what we are seeing is people in even if a game is 70 80 mb they'll still download it <laughs> because they're feeling like yeah, yeah. data is not that the same interesting yeah. so indirect so, yes yeah. So then when can we expect the next two uh, installments of Bioshock on Geophone? <laughs> <laughs> well, Full keyword bait happening. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're at it, we might also comment on Freedom 251 and Narendra Modi and <laughs> Xiaomi and <laughs> iPhone. Technically, technically <laughs> so the jar will still run on a browser which can be accessed. You can probably, you probably still run an emulator, right? Yeah. Which means yeah. technically you can run it on any phone. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, Android phone. <laughs> Here you have it. It's already alive. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't tell anyone that we gave you the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's it for this episode of Transition. Thank you so much, Rishi thanks, and uh, Shuni. Um, not thanks, not our games editor. <laughs> yeah, for for being on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Gadgets360. Uh, leave us a rating on iTunes if you like the show. If you don't like it, then don't bother. And uh, as always, if you want to send us your questions, uh, comments, feedback, uh, love letters, you can do that at <laughs> podcast at Gadgets360.com. And the music for this episode comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPP, PPP is where the tracks are from. <laughs>